At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. After years of modest gains in the field of lung cancer, the leading cause of cancer-related deaths throughout the world, doctors and researchers say significant advances in treatment and screening practices point to very good news. My guest today is Dr. Ravi Salgia. He's a professor and chair in the Department of Medical Oncology and Therapeutics Research at City of Hope. Welcome to the show, Dr. Salgia. So tell us a little bit about what's going on. What treatment advances do you expect for lung cancer patients in 2016? So we've come a long way for lung cancer. We know that initially when we started treating lung cancer patients, especially metastatic disease, that we only had one or two options. And those were really in the context of palliative care and chemotherapy, uh, such as platinum-based chemotherapies, as well as if we needed to for symptom relief, uh, radiation therapy. But over the past decade, but especially over the past few years, we really have made incredible strides in terms of understanding lung cancer, in terms of the genetics of lung cancer, the proteomics of lung cancer, and then based on that, coming up with various therapeutics. So we're quite excited about what are called precision medicine for lung cancer, especially, for example, for tyrosine kinase inhibitors as well as immunotherapies. So let's start with immunotherapies. How is that working to advance the lung cancer treatment? You know, when I was at Harvard a while ago, uh, we had done some immunotherapies for lung cancer, and we didn't have striking results. And over the past few years, what's happened is that uh, immunotherapy has uh, had huge breakthroughs, uh, initially coming, for example, from melanoma, but really being applied to lung cancer as well as bladder cancer. But especially for lung cancer, What we wanted to do was to really uh, engineer various therapeutics so that our own T-cells, for example, can be revved up. So as an example, there are these checkpoint inhibitors known as PD-1 or PD-L1 that have been brought to clinical fruition, and they have already been approved by the FDA for us to utilize in our clinics. There are lots of other immunotherapies in terms of immunotoxins as well as CAR T-cells, a lot of research is going on, and unlike before, where we only saw a handful of patients responding to immunotherapy, we're seeing a large number of patients respond to immunotherapy and really sustained responses for immunotherapy. So we're quite excited by that for our patients. So what is adoptive T-cell therapy, and how does that work to treat cancer? So T-cell therapy is really looking at our own immune cells. And so our own immune cells, what they do is they fight off any kind of foreign uh, cells or uh, our own cells that potentially have gone awry. So adoptive T-cell therapies really involve engineering these T-cells and giving it back where one can really look at how you can engineer the immune system to really fight better. So what do you do with the T-cells? Do you remove them from the patient and sort of teach them to fight the tumor, or did they have blinders on? What goes on with them? Exactly. So you really, uh, I like that word, teach them. So you really take the T-cells, engineer them so that they become much more in the attack mode or the fight mode, so then they can recognize the cancer cells and then ultimately kill off the cancer cells. 
And when those T cells are put back in, do they recruit other cells to help them fight? How does that work? Yes. And so there's what's called a tumor milieu and the stroma uh, that surrounds the tumor cells. So you need a lot of fighter cells. And so T cells are one component of it, but there are lots of other cells in the immune system that have to group together and come together to be able to recognize the cancer cell, then to be able to attack the cancer cell, and then to kill the cancer cell, and ultimately actually remove the debris from the cancer cells that have died. So will this improve the patient experience or the patient outcome? Are there side effects to these types of therapies? Every therapy we give, unfortunately, has side effects, so we have to watch out for them. And it's really important that we can't truly predict the side effects that the patients will get until uh, if the patients develop that, then we have to be able to manage that. Uh, Most of the side effects that we see with these types of therapies, uh, especially immune therapies or even non-immune therapies, can be handled. And they can be handled in terms of having expertise to be able to recognize it, but then to be able to provide that supportive care. And do you think that early detection thanks to screenings and new screening techniques, will help with this if it's caught earlier? So lung cancer, as you know, occurs in four different stages. So stage one is the earliest stage of lung cancer that can happen. So basically what that means is it's a small tumor that's within the lung, no lymph nodes, no metastasis, and especially metastasis, for example, to the other parts of the lung or the lymph nodes or to the bone or to the liver or brain or adrenal gland as an example, but we know that early stage disease, especially stage one lung cancer, if detected, as well as stage two lung cancer, that involves having lymph node involvement, if detected, can really be cured and a sustained cure. So early detection, early screening are important tools. We are recommending uh, screening for patients of the right criteria, and that has been approved by the CMS as well. Do you think at some point lung cancer may become a chronic disease? Where do you see it going in the future? Well, uh, ultimately, we want to cure lung cancer. We want to prevent lung cancer, but we'll also take uh, chronic disease. Uh, For example, metastatic breast cancer, metastatic prostate cancer has already arrived at this chronicity level and patients can live for a long time with even metastatic disease. However, lung cancer, there are only subsets of those patients who have metastatic disease that can live a long time, potentially as a quote-unquote chronic disease. That is to be able to control the disease with the various therapeutics and monitoring. But ultimately, our goal is for lung cancer to become a chronic disease. One of the things that we have to really look out for, though, Lung cancer is a subset of a subset of a subset now. You know, we think of lung cancer as two major categories, small cell lung cancer and non-small cell lung cancer. We treat them differently. And then non-small cell lung cancer can be adenocarcinoma, squamous cell carcinoma, as well as large cell carcinoma. And then in adenocarcinoma, as an example, you can have an EGFR mutation or an ALK translocation, or an RS1 translocation, or a RET translocation. So we have to take all of those into account for us to be able to guide us to say which subsets of lung cancer will become chronic disease. Ultimately, we want everything, 
uh, to be potentially be manageable for a long period of time, but we have to be able to figure out which therapeutics for what disease. So in just the last few minutes, give your best advice to patients that have recently been diagnosed with lung cancer, which is a very scary diagnosis at the outset. Give them some hope on what you're doing in research and why they should come to City of Hope for their care or a second opinion. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You want to really not be afraid if one has a diagnosis of lung cancer because there are so many therapies available. And what you have to do is define the experts. You have to be able to define what the stage of the disease is. You have to incorporate your primary care physician as well as your local oncologist as an example, but also have that expert opinion from those people who've been doing lung cancer for a long time. So for me, for example, a lung cancer uh, medical oncologist for the past 25 years, and this is what I do for a living. So we know the nuances that have to go into our therapy decision-making, and what we really want to be able to do is, are there potential clinical trials? What clinical trials mean is that are there therapies that are better than what are the current existing therapies? Can you be monitored even more closely? Can you think about the future and try to come up with that, what you call chronic disease or even a cure for lung cancer? So why City of Hope? City of Hope is really important a player in the context of, of course, having those experts available who only do certain sets of diseases. Let's say, for example, I'm a lung cancer physician. Then we also have breast cancer physicians. We have prostate cancer. So really, this is a specialty within a specialty. And then at the same time, there are a lot of clinical trials that have come to fruition here at City of Hope where one could think about for lung cancer patients, is it appropriate? Will this make a difference? Will survival be better? Will the quality of life be better? And so I think this is why it's important to not be afraid, even if you have a diagnosis of lung cancer, but to seek out the experts. Great information and such a fascinating topic. We applaud all the great work that you're doing, Dr. Salia, at City of Hope. Thanks so much for being with us today. You're listening to City of Hope Radio, and for more information, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.